Rick Stevens, financial advisor with FRS Financial Group, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. For more detailed information regarding any of the topics discussed on today's show, please call 719-500-8700. This is Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Here's your host, Rick Stevens. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group. I'm Rick Stevens. I am your host. And remember that this is your show. If you've got those questions you would like to hear answered, if there's somebody that you would like to hear from on an episode of Money Matters, if there is something pertaining to your money that you've just got questions about, feel free to give me a call at 719-500-8700. You can shoot me an email, rstevens at frsfinancialgroup.com, or simply go to our website, frsfinancialgroup.com, click on that contact tab on the top right corner, send us your question, your message, somebody you'd like to hear from, because we would love to hear from you. Well, folks, we are in studio once again this week with Andrew Rogers. Andrew, how are we doing today? Doing fantastic. How about you, Rick? You know, I'm a little confused, actually. All right. Well, I mean, the the show's supposed to be about money, but we can get into a little counseling. What's going on? Well, you know what? I actually took a look at my my weather sort of of app here, and you know, I've I've got one child headed up to Montana. I've got one in Anchorage. And given Anchorage and Phillipsburg, Montana, and Colorado Springs, we're the coldest. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. My daughter told me uh, up in Anchorage, she said there are birds chirping. It's like spring up here right now. Yeah, I mean, you hit 30s. I'm surprised she's not wearing shorts at uh, this point. Well, she didn't send a picture. She might be. Yeah. She, she might very well be. Um, you know, that's that's just one of those things that uh, that confuses me at times to look at things and go, Okay, that's that's like three thousand miles north of us, and it's warmer. Yeah, it's very very bizarre. I remember those days. So you know, hopefully though, as we are getting into uh, some some retirement discussion today, things will not be quite so confusing for for listeners. But but I want to start with this uh, this question. Okay, do you ever plan a vacation? Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, may, I might be in the middle of trying to right now. Ah, uh-huh. So hopefully it's going to be a, a good one, a fun one. But in that vacation, right, oftentimes if we haven't planned out the four or five activities every day based on specific times, mm-hmm. usually we've got at least one or two every single day that we're, that we're planning on, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, I've done that before. It's been a little while because when you have six children, you don't always go on vacations often. Yeah. Or, or if that's a vacation, quote unquote vacation, um, it's things like we are dropping this one off back at school and going to spend a couple of extra days. And one of those days we'll go to this museum and one mm-hmm. of those days we'll go to, you know, a theme park or something. 
But for the most part, it's been a while since I've planned a family vacation. Yeah. Do you ever think about retirement as the longest vacation of your life? Not until you just brought that up. (laughs) And if you're talking about a long family vacation, I may just work until about the afternoon of my funeral. (laughs) Well, you know, theoretically and hopefully, right, when we get to that retirement side of, of life, we're out here... A, the kids aren't young and at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, it is just uh, you know us, or if we've got that significant other, us with our significant other, and and really each day becomes very vacation ish. I guess I would I would say. Yeah, but I mean, isn't the point of retirement though to have that flexibility and not have that kind of vacation mode where you have to, as you mentioned, plan four, five, six different events into every day and really maximize the most of that time. Well, that's that's true. That's true. But we're also not just planning that four or five or six events in any given day for, say, a week. Yeah. We're looking at hopefully 25, 30, maybe 40 years in retirement. So there might be a few things we are thinking about and wanting to do over that much longer course okay. of time. So one of those one of those things that when I'm working with folks and we're talking about retirement, and this is typically the thing that stumps a lot of folks, is is when I ask the question, so what's that dream? What's that retirement goal? You close your eyes and you picture retirement in your mind. What does it look like? And oftentimes I just get a blank stare. Yeah. And, and believe it or not, not a whole lot of folks have really thought into that, what am I really going to think about doing in my retirement years? Oftentimes, we'll, we'll get the, the response, oh, you know what? I close my eyes and I see a beach and I'm just sitting there in the shade with my feet up and an umbrella drink. And I said, okay, that's good. But is that 40 years worth of what you see or is that I want to take a vacation to Hawaii what you see. Yeah. And, you know, how do you address that? Because, again, a lot of us, especially during the heat of that working, you know, lifespan, have that mindset of that vacation plan, planning for, you know, a week, maybe two weeks if you're really going to go a little extravagant. But, you know, how how do you get, convince people to shift that mindset away from those kind of things into that, you know, decade, two decade long experience? You know, one of the one of the big pieces here. And, and it's it's something that I have worked, in fact, with my own parents on. And that's, no, we don't have to think about the two-week cruise and are we going to do the shuffleboard or the this show or that show. But what we do need to think about in those retirement years is what are those activities we're going to do? What are those okay. things we want to do in that retirement thing? And, and whether that's, you know what, I've I have always wanted – to spend time uh, planting a garden and taking care of that, or I've wanted to learn how to do X, Y, Z, whatever that might be, and now I'll have time to do it. For other folks, it's, you know what? I've always wanted to volunteer at this particular organization. Well, in those retirement years, now you will have time to do those sort of things. And and one of those pieces is really sort of taking a look at what do we want each day to kind of entail or each week or each month, 
especially in those early years when we go from, you know what, I was at work 8, 9, 10, maybe even 12 hours a day, 5, 6 days a week, to we just hit the brakes and I'm not doing that anymore. Now what do I do? And and I've had the conversation uh, as well uh, with with folks where uh, the the spouse, the wife, has been at home for mm-hmm. years, right? She raised kids. She maybe went out and was in the workforce for a little while, came back, and she's been at home. And the husband retires, and all of a sudden the wife said, yeah, but you can't be here. Yeah. You, you've got to go find something else to do. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, where when we're talking about this retirement planning, often so many people just rush to that financial side as far as making sure that there's enough in the pot as well. But it really, it's that time allocation as well, too, because if you play your cards right, there's a lot of those big expenses that you're so used to during your work life, like, you know, say a mortgage that may not be there if you've done everything, if you, you know, sit there and diligently did, you know, 15, 20, 30 years onto that mortgage, then all of a sudden you have significantly fewer outgoing bills that uh, you don't really have to worry to. And it is really planning that time and how to, you know, really sustain another 20 years of not having to make sure you get the bills paid. Exactly. And and oftentimes when I'm sitting with folks and, and we are thinking about the money side of it, oftentimes we don't think about that until we hit that age 45, 50, even 55 mark. But one of those things, and we'll talk about that here as we're, we're coming up into uh, some of these next segments, is even in those early years, right, that, that as the 20 and 30-year-old, some of those things we're going to be able to do because ultimately it becomes a time versus money sort of equation, right? And, and the more time you have to do some of that planning, to do some of that dreaming, to think about one of these days I'm going to, and fill in the blank, the less money it takes to plan it for all those years. Yeah, and when it comes to that whole idea of one day I'm going to, that also kind of includes having that goal, having that you know end post in mind, but also knowing, too, that you can't do everything you want along the way to be able to facilitate that end dream. You know, exactly. you could have the nicest cars as, you know, throughout your working year, really, you know, make a statement in the parking lot pulling up to work, or you could delay that so that you could have that retirement Cadillac or Porsche or whatever you want when you really have the time to properly enjoy it. Exactly. You know, it's it's that concept that, you know, I, I oftentimes tell folks it's simple, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And it's that concept of delayed gratification, right? We're going to take some of that time, that effort, that money, now, in those early years, and we're going to give it up, right? Yeah. We're going to set that aside so that we can have that fun. We can buy those things. We can take those trips later in life when we're going to be able to afford it mm-hmm. a bit better. You know, I, I know that Dave Ramsey talks about uh, his da- the Dave car, Yeah. right? And for some folks, that's the, I've bought this thousand dollar car just so it'll get me to and from work i don't have a payment you know i'm going to drive it till the wheels fall off and then i'll go probably 30 or 40 more miles before i really decide they've got to be replaced and then get another one exactly the flip side of that is the other dave car in those uh you know later years those retirement type years Mm -hmm. where because you have 
put this money aside, because you've set it aside, you can go buy, with cash, the one you've always wanted. Yeah. You know, it's almost like he says a lot during his show. It's, you know, living like no one else. So later you really can live like no one else. Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing that uh, there's there, there's wisdom in, in that sort of thing, right? There's wisdom in saying, not right now, but later. Yeah. Right? So it's not just about what am I giving up, giving up, giving up, you know, oh, this is terrible, it's horrible, I, I'm, you know, oppressing myself so that I never have this, that, or the other. It's not that. It's just saying, yes, I want this. I would love to have this, but not right now. Later, mm-hmm. you know. And one of my one of my favorite calls uh, ever, and this has probably been seven or eight years ago, in in listening to one of his shows, there, there was a lady that called in, and she starts a phone call like everybody else that calls Dave's show. She says, "Dave, I've got a problem." And he says, "Okay." She says, "You know how you say live like no one else, so that later on you can live like no one else." Yeah. We've been following this method and, and, you know, bare bones, rice and beans, beans and rice, putting stuff away for, for really the last 20 years. And he says, okay. And she says, and now we're at that spot. I've got this giant pile of money. And he says, well, what's the problem? And her response was, I can't make myself spend it. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, that that old analogy of, you know, your dog always wants to go out and chase, you know, a car tire, but what happens if they actually catch it? Then what? Exactly, exactly. And that's whole part of that uh, planning process out there is to answer the then what question because we're traveling that road, we've got that target in front of us, but once we hit it, then what? Yeah. So we are going to, folks, attempt to answer some of the how and the then what when we come back after this quick break. You're listening to Money Matters right here on KRDO. Does stock market volatility have you wondering which way is up? Do the talking heads and doomsayers have you wondering if this really is the end? If you want straight answers from an advisor who isn't just trying to sell you something, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment today. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Welcome back to Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group, right here on KRDO News Radio. I'm Andrew Rogers, along with Rick Stevens. You know, Rick, before the break, as we're talking about the financial planning, we talked about kind of that two-stage approach as far as the how and then what's next. So even before we get to the how, I have another question. All right, for that when. So as we're talking about retirement planning, when should you actually start doing it? Because I think I read some statistics somewhere that many people are starting way too late for the retirement and lifestyle that they're envisioning. Yeah, you know, the uh, the, the wonderful answer to that question, oh. you know, here it comes. Wait for it. Wait it for it. depends. And, and part of that is going to be the it depends on what that lifestyle is you're looking for. Okay. Because ultimately... 
And, and as I'm walking folks through, and you've heard this come out of Dave's mouth uh, on, on the uh, Ramsey show, you've heard it come out of other folks' mouths on the Ramsey show, is that retirement is not an age, it's a number. Yeah. And, and that number is, here is this pile of money that it's going to require for the kind of lifestyle I'm looking for. So is there a formula to determine what that number would be? Sort of. Okay. Uh, the the quick back-of-the-envelope math says if you want X dollars per year to fund a particular lifestyle, you divide that number by 4%, right? So you divide it by 0.04. That tells you how big the pile needs to be. Because in my world, we use what I call a 4% burn rate. That means okay. you're using 4% of what you've got in this pile year over year. Hopefully, because we're growing it still at about a 4% rate, so that really we're only living off the growth. But the idea here is that, let's say I need to live on $40,000 a year. What do I need to generate $40,000 a year? Well, $40,000 is 4% of $1 million. Okay. So a pile of a million dollars growing at 4% per year kicks off $40,000 of growth, which means that year after year after year, you'll have that $40,000 and never touch the million. So it's something that you really should be looking at that overall number, not just watching the calendar. So having that kind of countdown to hitting, say, that million, just using the round number, instead of waiting till 62 and a half or 65. Exactly, exactly. And and that's one of those things that when I've, when I've sat down with folks and kind of talked about this, I said, this is why it's a number and not an age. Because let's say that you are 65, 68, whatever, years old, and we, we take a look at all the different income streams that you have, whether it's a pension, Social Security, you're using your own retirement assets, and you need $5,000 a month to live on. But we take a look at all those different income streams, and it only generates $3,000 a month. Well, it's not time to retire yet unless you say, well, I'm going to you know, maybe pick up a part-time job and still work a little bit and make up the difference through my earnings versus a 25-year-old whiz kid tech genius who invents the next, you know, whatever, Google, Facebook, whatever the case may be, and sells that to a larger organization, and the 25-year-old has just been paid $2.5 billion. That 25-year-old could retire never have to work another day based on, you know, obviously whatever their spending habits would look like if they've got $2 billion Mm -hmm. versus that 65-year-old who's still $2,000 a month short on what that income stream would be. Okay. So how how do we get there then? So what should, you know, you say do if you are in that, you know, kind of early stage of your career, you finally have that quote-unquote big boy, big girl job. You're not that tech wonderkin that uh, overnight can write some program that you can quickly sell for a couple billion dollars and then go off into the sunset. You know, in the real world, you know, what should you be doing in those early stages to get that ball rolling? Well, the the biggest thing in those early years, and we're talking as, you know, 20 and 30 year olds. So whether that's you as the listener out there, whether that's our kids or our grandkids, this is that good, hey, this is a spot to start. 
And number one is if your employer has a retirement plan, whether that's a 401k, 403b, 457, maybe you're in the military, you've got the TSP available, use that employer plan to help put money away for that retirement future 30, 40 years down the line. The other piece to that is if you have an option that has that Roth word in front of it, use your Roth option. Because what that means is that when you start taking money out of that Roth account, whether it's a 401k, an IRA, whatever, it's coming out and there are no taxes that are due on that. And, And I don't know about you, but I would rather not give Uncle Sam more money than I have to over yeah, the course of time. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about those kind of mechanisms uh, over the past couple of weeks. And I do have one little bone to pick with you. Ooh, all right. I'm you ready. You discussed uh, Senator Roth of Kansas yes. as a beautiful, beautiful man. Yes. I went and Googled him. I think you probably need to uh, head over to the eye doctor. I, well, you know what? I'm not talking about beauty in terms of the uh, the, the outward appearance. Uh-huh. I'm talking about the beautiful heart uh-huh. the man had for Walk the taxpayer. Walk it back. That's all right. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, well, here's, here's what I will say. I wish to be someday remembered like Senator Roth was. Okay. So beautifully by the folks who have an account bearing his name. Okay. <laughs> Guess we can buy it. All right. So, so you know, using those employer plans, and if you don't have an employer plan, opening up your own sort of a Roth IRA, that's going to be sort of that catalyst, right? That ability to put money away. And, and time is your friend, right? The more time you have, the less money it actually takes to, to get to what that end destination is. One of the other pieces I'll throw out there, and right, this is, again, something Dave Ramsey will harp on. Build an emergency fund so that you can avoid unnecessary debt, right? Start planning, building your budget, building that emergency fund so that, uh-oh, I hit a pothole because it's not like we have any of those in and around Colorado mm-hmm. Springs uh, that shredded one of my tires last week. Uh-oh, I've hit a pothole. I've shredded a tire. Now I need to buy a new tire. But if my current tires were, you know, maybe a few years old, a new one is going to be too too new, if you will, too much tread depth on there. Now I've got to buy two new tires so that the car functions properly. Or if I have a four-wheel drive, I've got to buy all four. Yeah. So to avoid having to go, well, we'll just put that on a credit card. Right, that that opportunity to to build up that emergency fund to go. Yes, this was an emergency. Uh, I wasn't planning on hitting that pothole. My tires should have still had thirty thousand miles on them, so I don't have that that uh, sinking fund built back up to go buy the new ones. So we've got that emergency fund. We've made that budget. We also want to save for those major purchases, right? Rather than taking out a car loan, spending uh, those vacation dollars on a credit card that we're going to pay off, not all at once, but over the course of time, that's going to end up costing us a lot more. Save up the money for those things. Mm -hmm. Um, The the other one, the other piece of this for those folks that are in that 20 and and 30-something year sort of span, if you will, and, and I'm sure Grandma has said this more than once, Mom and dad may have said this more than once. You may have had a teacher or heard somebody on the radio say this more than once. Live on less than you make. 
Novel concept. I mean, you know, it'd be it'd be nice. It'd be nice if we had some great examples over in a a district on the east side. Yes, uh, yes. That, that that would be that would be uh, one of those one of those really nice things. Yeah. Um, I guess it's easy to not do that if you don't think of it as your money, but somebody else's. Yeah. So there th- there's that part. But when it is your money, figuring out how to live on less than you earn, right? Because part of that is. Part of this I'm giving away. Part of this I'm setting aside for future use into my retirement account. And and the other part of that is when you are young, when you're in those 20s and 30s, that's a great time to look at any life insurance needs that you may have because that's when it's going to be the cheapest. Yeah, and when it comes to those life insurance needs, there's so many terms and things like that. I know a lot of people kind of get that during the headlights look. So, I mean, what is the difference between, you know, term, whole life, Things of that nature, because I know some people will try to sell you all these other products with life insurance, making out more like a savings account or some kind of investment. Right. And and as a tool, life insurance can be a useful tool mm-hmm. to to put away money for future use, but it should not be the first tool out of the toolbox yeah. because life insurance is insurance. It's not a savings account because those are called savings accounts. It's not an investment because those are called investments. It's an insurance policy. Yeah. And, and as such, we need to kind of start with that sort of uh, fresh mindset about it. Uh, when it comes to term versus whole life, the, the easiest way that, that I can put this to folks is term insurance is insurance that you're paying for for a specific, wait for it, term. Uh-huh. So a 10-year term policy means you're paying for this insurance for 10 years. You'll have this insurance for 10 years as long as you are paying for it over that time frame. It could be a 5-year, a 10-year, a 20-year, a 30-year term. Entirely up to you as to how you set that up. Whole life, on the other hand, you pay for... Wait for it. Let me guess. Let me guess. Okay, I'm waiting. For your whole life. He's learning, ladies and gentlemen. He's getting this down. The common man. Yes. Yeah, whole life policy is a policy that is not only in effect for your whole life, but is generally something you're paying for your whole life. And and one of the reasons that a whole life policy is more expensive than a term policy is because the insurance company is actually taking a gamble here. Yeah. If you're in your 30s, you buy a 10-year term policy there's a very small likelihood that a company pays out on that policy. So they don't have to collect very high premiums. In fact, uh, I'd seen a statistic somewhere that about 98% of all term policies aren't paid out. But there's a reason for doing that, because maybe we're going to replace one of those smaller policies with a larger policy or a shorter policy with a longer policy at some point. Or it's because we've built up enough assets that we become, for lack of a better term, self-insured. We mm-hmm. have enough assets that will take care of the folks who are left behind. Versus the whole life policy that if you are continuing to pay that premium, at some point in time, it's guaranteed to pay out. Yeah, you're kind of getting somebody to insure and uh almost invest in a depreciating asset on that point. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why, you know, rather than spending those those premiums with several zeros on the end when you are in your 70s and 80s for a particular policy, 
they raise that price so that you're paying it through your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way up through that. Because otherwise, if you were to try to get insurance in your 70s, in your 80s, it's very difficult because it's very pricey at yeah. that point. And I know you're going to say this, so I will go ahead and I'll, I'll bake it into the question, save you a little time <laughs> since we're getting a little close to the break. But I know it's going to depend, but is there any, you know big thing that should sway you one way or another to choose between those different products? Uh, Typically speaking, it's going to be based on what we want the policy to do. Okay. And and if we're just looking for something like income replacement in a certain time frame, because we've got one or two or six kids at home, we're going to think about, okay, how long until they're out of the house? Okay. If we're just looking at something to say, hey, somewhere in the next five years, for example, if... uh, if something were to happen to me and my business partners had to buy me out, I've got a policy covering me for the next five years or whatever that is so that they will have money to to pay my my wife to, to take over my part of the business. Okay. So, yes, it does depend, but the situation really dictates what we want to do with it. All right. Folks, we are up against that next break in today's show. When we come back... We're going to move this forward just a few more years. Talk about what those 40 and 50 year olds need to be thinking about in their retirement planning. Stick around. We will be right back. Money affects each of us in different ways. Sometimes it's a source of stress and fear. Sometimes it's a source of comfort and security. Whatever your perspective, it's always good to get a second set of eyes on your finances to help serve as a guide. If you are looking for that guidance, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Folks, thanks for hanging around with us through that break. Rick Stevens here in studio with Andrew Rogers on Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. And today we are talking about those retirement plans and not just, you know, a couple years before you're ready to uh, to hang it up, but really, Andrew, what we need to be doing over the years to make sure that we've walked that road, we've gotten to that retirement destination in the kind of shape we were looking to. Absolutely. You know, we started off that last segment talking about those 20, 30-year-olds, kind of that early stage. But now let's get upwards. Let's, you know, take the DeLorean for a little bit of a cruise down the road. And uh, as you get into those 40s and 50s, you know, that retirement is not that far away anymore. So what what should you be doing kind of shifting from that really growth mindset to, I'm going to have to start using this sooner than later. Well, you know, one of those one of those things uh, when we're younger, we can actually take a little bit more risk with those investments because time is on our side. But but when we get to those 40s and 50s, we might want to start thinking about pulling some of that risk off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, part of that depends on what our goal at the end is, how big of a, of a pile that we're looking at. But you know, if once we get to within about 10 years of that targeted goal, that's where we want to start really pulling that risk back off the table, not because we don't want growth, but because we want to have as little impact as possible. And yes, there's always going to be some kind of impact when you have that risk exposure, especially in the stock market. 
but we want to have as little exposure as possible to that big pile that we're trying to kind of keep out there a little bit. Yeah, knowing that there are going to be hills and valleys in a healthy market cycle, just trying to avoid those giant hills that usually come either before or after a big valley, trying to make it more of a gentle, maybe Midwest rolling hill as opposed to what we see here in our backyard. Yeah, what uh, what back when uh, I was younger, when we would go, uh, and I'll put this in quotes, skiing in Michigan, uh, those hills mm-hmm. that we would ski on there, not uh, not like the mountains that we've got here uh, along the front range. The, the really interesting thing is, if you look at sort of that mix over the course of time, Generally, up into your 40s, anything from an 80-20 mix of of 80% equities, even all the way up to 100% equities in a retirement portfolio, is still okay. But once we start getting closer to that, okay, I'm going to retire in the next 10 years, 5 years, 2 years, we want to start looking at pulling some of that risk back off the table and maybe only having... 70% or maybe even down to a a, what most folks would call a typical 60-40 blend as we're getting to that retirement date. And, And part of that is because, yes, we want to make sure that we're still going to have sort of that amount that we were looking for, that we were hoping for. The idea um, in there as well is that, you know, while we might not be getting 100% of the up, we're also not getting 100% of the down. We might be okay with 60% of that down, 65%, maybe even 70, depending on how far away we are. But we definitely don't want the 100, 110, 120% of the down that could come in those next few years. Absolutely. And then with that as well, I know it's a buzzword and, you know, kind of help let me know how this kind of fits in with everything. But, you know, is that also the time, you know, you hear a lot about diversification, you know, not just having all of your eggs in one basket. Is this really the time to really make sure that you are maybe, you know, spread out a little bit more? You know, it's it's interesting because diversification is something we want to be doing even in those younger years. It's just how it's diversified. Right. So in those younger years, we may have 100 percent in equities, but we're going to be using different areas, right? Different sectors. So there are going to be some big companies, some medium companies, and some small companies. There are going to be some growth style, some value style, right? Where that company's stock inside of that mutual fund is is on sale, if you will. We're going to have some international things. We're going to have specific sectors in there like technology or real estate, energy. So that is one type of diversification. But as we get closer to those retirement years, we start moving a little bit away from the equity side, adding in some of the bond world or the fixed income side. And even in that, we can have different types of diversity. There are government bonds. There are corporate bonds. There are high yield bonds, which have a little bit more risk, but also typically have a little bit bigger growth associated with it. And we just kind of mix that all the way through till we get to that, okay, we're ready to be done working because we've grown this pile big enough. Yeah, and if you kind of look at it as that bell curve as well, too, knowing that uh, as you grow in your careers, you're progressing into this second stage, that uh, usually you're continuing to go up, at least hopefully. Yes. That uh, you have a little bit more option to really maximize what you are doing and how you are saving for that next stage as well. And 
Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting, and, and we see this every couple years, that the maximum amount that you're allowed to put away, whether that's in a company-sponsored plan or, or even in your own IRA, keeps growing. So under the current rules right now, if you are under age 50, the most you can put into a 401k or a 403b or a 457 or the TSP is $22,500 for the year. Okay. But if you're 50 or older, the IRS allows us what's called a catch-up contribution that in this case is actually about $7,500. So that means if you're 50 or older, you could put away $30,000 into your 401k, 403b, TSP, whatever the case may be, and oftentimes, as we have hit those big earning years, right, through mm-hmm. our 40s and 50s, if we're budgeting well, we can actually make those contributions not hurt nearly as much as they would when we were in our 20s. Yeah, and, you know, say you are able to do a little bit more but not able to meet those max. Is that also the time to maybe look at, say, you have a, an employer-sponsored you know, 401k, is it then time to maybe call someone else and start shopping that other area of alphabet soup you guys like to talk about so much? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, when it comes to being able to put money into the IRA, that individual retirement agreement, technically is what the A stands for, but the industry has kind of accepted individual retirement account as, as the A. That's that opportunity to say, okay, am I, am I making enough money under whatever the IRS threshold is to be able to put it into this as well? Um, especially if you don't have a Roth option in your 401k or 403b, being able to put money away on that Roth side into your own IRA is going to be very helpful, especially in that long run. Yeah. And is there, you know, say a maximum contribution you can make across, say, a 401k, an IRA, a 403b, a USB type C, all those other types of accounts? <laughs> uh, the USB type C, we can just plug in anywhere, right? All right. But the, the, the idea here is that you, if you're at a level based on the income, uh, it's possible to be able to max out both sides of that, not okay. just for you but also to max out for a spouse as well. So if you if you think about that from the, okay, let's say I'm in my late 30s, early 40s, and I'm married, that means I could put away $13,000 for myself and my spouse in a Roth IRA. It also means that combined, we could put away another $45,000 into a 401k hopefully onto a Roth side. And even beyond that, hopefully you're at a company, if they've got the 401k, they offer some kind of a match. Maybe they're matching 3% or 5% or half of whatever the percentage is that you put in, uh, you know, whatever that might look like, to, again, continue to grow that even more. Okay. And, and you know, one of those things that I oftentimes talk to folks about, because a lot of folks are like, but I can't afford to do that. I said, let's, let's kind of break this down a little bit. And I know folks, you know, give uh, a hard rap to Starbucks or they, or they give a, you know, a hard rap to going out to eat five nights a week and that sort of thing. But the reality of it is, if we have that budget, if we have set retirement as one of the priorities in the budget, right, the give, save, spend, that's part of the save function in there. And we figured out, let's say, how to put away the maximum 
in our own IRA each year. And I'm going to give some folks a little bit of time here, right? College graduates at 22, 23, maybe you need a year or two to start really getting those feet wet and figuring out what things cost. But but maybe by 25, you can start putting money away in that IRA. Okay. If you max out that IRA, $6,500 from age 25 to age 49, and then at age 50, you get that extra $1,000 catch up, which is what they allow in an IRA versus the 5000 they allow uh, or the 7500 now that they allow as a catch up in the in the 401k so you're putting 7500 away from say age 50 all the way up to age 60 i get to age 61 and if this has grown on average 10% year over year through that entire time frame i've got a pile of just a little over 2 million dollars just from my ira which at that 4% rate that we use is going to give me about $86,000 a year in income. Yeah, and as you're kind of talking about that now, and I know this is something that you know we're looking at, especially uh, with the mother-in-law as well, is that there's also time to start thinking about uh, the insurance side of it as well, that health insurance, because then you get into those ages where there's the Medicare options, but then you have supplements and you have all those other things because at one point you're probably going to get off of an employer-sponsored health care plan, but probably still need to go to a doctor. Exactly, exactly. And and if you've retired before the age of 65, you're going to want some kind of coverage before that Medicare kicks in. So a lot of different things we've got to think about in there. Typically speaking, in those retirement years, your health care, assuming, again, that we've walked into the retirement world by paying off the mortgage, we don't have that big part of the bill because that's typically about 30% of your overall budget. Your next biggest expense in retirement is actually going to be your Medicare, your, okay. your health expenses. And those, typically speaking, are going to probably run you anywhere from 12 to $15,000 a year. That's with all your co-pays, all the different things that, that you may have to pay that, that maybe Medicare or a Medicare supplement on top of it doesn't exactly cover yet. Those are sort of those out-of-pocket things that you've got to be thinking about. So it's not just a magical, you know, all of a sudden you turn 62 and, you know, Uncle Sam comes across like a little fairy and boop. There you go. There's still going to be costs associated with it, even though it's technically, you know, a, a benefit that you've earned over time and shouldn't be, but there's still going to be costs associated. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the other things that we've got to be thinking about, especially in that 40 and 50 uh, age group, is we've got to think about things like long-term care, right? What is it going to cost me someday if I have to end up in a skilled nursing facility, whether that's an actual what uh, we would call in my day a nursing home, uh, or maybe it's a we've got somebody coming into the house a couple of days a week to, yeah. to help out with, with some of those issues. We want to start looking at what can I do to, quite frankly, protect assets when that happens because there are certain rules around that if you're thinking, oh, you know what, my Medicare will take care of it or my Medicaid will take care of it. I've seen those facilities, and in order to get to most of those, you can't have more than about $2,000 worth of assets. Yeah, and even some of those, you know, just watch the very beginning of uh, Happy Gilmore and really see if that's exactly how you want to spend your golden years. Exactly, exactly. So 
having those uh, those long-term care plans sort of thought out and, and how we want to take care of that, really one of those big pieces before we get to the retirement years. Absolutely. Well, still ahead here on Money Matters, we're going to finally make it to those retirement years. Still ahead. Are you worried about what's been going on in the markets and how it has affected your portfolio? Maybe you need a financial checkup. If you have questions about the health of your financial future, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary checkup. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Folks, thanks for sticking with us through that break here on Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Rick Stevens here in studio with Andrew Rogers. And and Andrew, we've finally made it. We've hit that beach in Costa Rica. We've got the hammock set up. We've got a couple umbrella drinks here. We've loaded up on sunscreen. We are set. Uh, see, I was thinking more along the lines of I've got the I've got my whole my whole summer planned out and how to hit all 30 major league stadiums. You would be that type of guy. You know, it's it's one of those list pieces that uh, I started looking at, and maybe I'm one of the crazy ones, but when I was in my 20s, mm-hmm. this is what I've always wanted to do. And even back then going, when I retire, yeah. this is what it's going to look like. I want to hit all 30 stadiums in the same season. But then does it turn into the next season about doing it for the minors? I mean, is that where does the problem really start? You know what? I, I'm gonna I'm going to just I think, and again, this is the I think part. I've got to talk to my financial advisor about that. He and I have conversations often. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people wonder who I'm talking to, and I say it's my most important client. The 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 discussion will be at some point. Do I want to hit all 30 major league stadiums? And then take on the top 30 AAA stadiums, and then do I go down to AA and so on? Or do I just stick with the big leagues? Or do you then switch over to the NFL and make it trying to do all 32 of those in a much shorter time frame? Well, you know what? That's going to have to be at least two years, right? Because I can't get to two home games a week unless I go to every Sunday and Monday night. Wow, I did see there's a, a a pretty popular influencer on social media who actually did that this season where she was Ooh. able to hit 32 in a single season. Wow. Wow, that's uh, that's incredible. And, and I will say this. Um, I'm sorry she had to go see the spaceship that is Soldier Field because had she been there 30 years ago, it was beautiful. Yeah. So, but, you know, I kind of digress there a little bit. You know, when we're, when we're in that retirement world, right, we, we've stopped bringing in income by going to work every single day, and we've built that pile big enough that we can go to work because we – Want to, maybe, not because we have to. Because you're bored and don't have anything else to do. Or or because my wife said you can't keep spending time here at the house. This is my domain, and uh, you, you go find something else to do. And, you know, I don't golf because uh, I used to golf when I lived in Illinois, yeah. and my slice was bad enough, basically, at sea level. I don't want to know what it would have done here. Um, I, I can't imagine that that uh, sharp turn to the right would have been really a good thing at uh, at altitude. I got to go find something. 
right? Yeah. And if I'm going to all 30 stadiums, I've got to have that pile of money, preferably not paying for my house at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And and that's really one of those biggest things, right? As we're going through that planning process, we don't want to, if at all possible, walk into retirement with a house payment. Because that is going to say, hey, here's basically 30% of your income that was going to pay for this item, right? This house that has now been freed up. And maybe it means I can spend 30% less, or maybe it means that's where part of me being able to go and travel and see my grandkids mm-hmm. or great grandkids or or maybe a ballpark or 30 in any yeah. given year, that's where those dollars would come from. Yeah, and you know, speaking of that too, and you mentioned it as we started off the show, that great call from uh Dave's show that, you know, the lady had amassed, you know, the proper amount of savings, but then hit that retirement age ready to go, but having to convince herself to spend it. So how do you talk to clients? Because we know oftentimes financial planners are that, but also counselors, things like that as well. So how do you shift that mindset? Because you've been working, you know, since your 20s, 30s, into your 40s, 50s, even 60s now. You know, I've got to save it. This is a, you know, kind of that Raiders of the Lark moment. It's gold, shiny on a pedestal. But how do you convince yourself now it's okay to start using into, you know, hey, this is what it's here for? You know, one of the one of the things that, that I talk with folks about is that idea of celebrating the milestone. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and we don't see it as often anymore, like folks getting that gold watch in the retirement party at work. But... But you want to do that celebration because oftentimes that can be the trigger in our head that says, well, now it's okay to start spending this money because this is the target I was aiming for. This is that time where we can flip the switch from putting it away to pulling it out and using it. And as you flip that switch, I know there's some people, and obviously if you've gone through all this, you're probably not that type but, you know, how do you dissuade somebody's fears that once I flip that switch, I'm not going to be able to turn it off and fear that, you know, that end goal all of a sudden is going to turn into more and more and more draining than you'd initially thought? Well, part of that really is hopefully all the way long we've been budgeting. And when we hit the retirement years, the budgeting doesn't stop. Okay. Right. In fact, that's when it might even go a little bit more into the high speed sort of uh, in-depth look to really say, okay, this really is how much money I've got coming in. I've got to make sure that that these guardrails that my budget is really are those rails that I will not cross. Mm -hmm. That, you know what, I can still, even in my retirement years, if I'm pulling in, you know, X plus $50 and it only costs me X dollars to live in any given month, that that extra 50 or whatever it might be is still getting saved for things like I might need a new vehicle at some point. Or, you know what? I'm looking for some new furniture. Yeah. Or I really do want to go to this vacation this year and two years from now we're going to do that and two years after that. So it gives us that time over that time frame to have it built into that budget, knowing what's coming in, being able to, again, continue to still set that aside for that future expense, 
but it's a future fun expense rather than a future I'm not going to work and I need income expense. Yeah, and is it something else as too? And obviously, I'm not in that you know position yet, so it's why I don't know. Is you know even though you're in that position where you're more primarily pulling out of those savings accounts, out of those you know retirement plans, can you still be making contributions? Say you know you are pulling out more than you thought, is there a way to put, you know, something back in and kind of keep that pot going as much as possible? As long as you're working, right? As okay. long as you are working somewhere, you can still make contributions, whether that's to the uh, the plan at the company that you're at or your own individual plan. As long as you are showing an income, and actually that's one of the things that changed back with Secure Act 1.0, was if you're still working, you can still contribute now. You, they used to have a cutoff age of age 70, yeah. but they took that cutoff age out as long as you are still working, still earning an income, you can continue to put dollars back in. Yeah, so say you kind of get bored sitting around the house, newly retired, and all of a sudden, hey, Shields needs a uh, Ferris wheel operator, and it could also get you some fun employee discounts. That would be just enough to then also still be able to still contribute and make sure that that pot is not going to get fully depleted. Exactly. Or maybe they need uh, some somebody to put on the scuba gear and clean the fish tank. I, yeah. I saw that happening once, and I thought, ooh, that could be fun too. So, you know, one of those one of those many different things out there that uh, whether – whether we've been at home for, you know, a year, two years, five years, a week, whatever the case may be, right? And and we're in that retirement uh, time frame. Yeah, being able to go back to work, yeah, that will allow you to put some more money back into those retirement funds. And, and again, the other thing is, typically when we're in that retirement world, we don't just pull everything out and sit with this big pile of cash. We still have it invested in some way, shape, or form, usually with a lot less risk uh, into what you might call an income-type portfolio that's really more like 60 to 70% on the fixed income side, maybe 30 to 40% on the equity growth side of things because we're trying to generate that 4% above what it's currently worth because that's where we're going to try to pull it from. So that, yeah, we'll see the the pile maybe come down a little bit. But again, that goal is to see it not come down a lot. Yeah, and just to kind of live off of that growth instead of the principal. Exactly. Exactly. And again, ultimately what we're looking for is when we get to those retirement years, we're actually going to be able to do what for 30 or 40 years maybe we've planned to be able to do. Yeah. And it's something too. And I think, you know, you've kind of hit on it a little bit throughout the show as well is just as because you use that word retire, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden work becomes a four letter word. It's just kind of changing your view as far as what that work really means. Exactly. Exactly. And, and typically when I, when I'm talking with folks and we're kind of building out that, that retirement concept, I try to set it up with retirement doesn't mean that you're not working. It means that you're working because you want to, not because you have to. It's because mm-hmm. you love what you're doing, whether that's in the in the current position that you've been in for the last 5, 10, 15 years, whatever the case may be, or it might be something completely different that you've always wanted to do, but never felt like you could because you needed whatever you were earning at the other place, and this one wasn't going to pay you nearly as much. 
where you get to that spot in your retirement years where you've got this pile of money, it would bring in enough uh, income year over year that you really could go do something that you've always wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I always tell folks this, when I think of retirement, my goal is that I could be quote unquote retired at 55. Yeah. That means at 55, I go to work because I want to, not because I have to. And in my world, I'll probably still continue doing what I'm doing until I'm, you know, 60, 65, maybe even beyond that. Because when I hit 65, that means my youngest will be 25. Again, assuming he has, you know, gone through and finished his school, we'll just be done with college shortly before that. We will just be empty nesters when I hit 65. My wife might not want me at home yet. Yeah. So I I may have to go a little bit beyond. Yeah, what, you may have to figure to. that part out. Yes, but you got the, some time. But but the good news is, yeah, exactly that. I've I've got about seventeen more years before we really have to cross that particular bridge. Yeah. So, well, folks, that is all the time that we've got this week on Money Matters. If you've got questions, if you need to know a little bit more information about if you are planned out well, if those things are lining up for you to be able to hit that retirement lifestyle that you're looking for, feel free to give me a call, 719-500-8700. Doesn't cost a cent for us to sit down and sort of take that overview look at what's going on in your investment life, that retirement life, that planning side of things. Always happy to help get folks steered the right direction. Again, the number 719-500-8700. We will be back again next week. And believe it or not, we're going to continue talking about your money because your money matters. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. 